Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. You're listening to Atlanta Baseball Talk, your weekly podcast for all things Atlanta Braves. Welcome to Atlanta Baseball Talk, show number 367 and our 10th full season of the podcast. Today is Sunday, May 21st, 2017, and my name is Steve. I'm joined by both Hamilton and Curtis. And guys, in tonight's show, we'll discuss the devastating news of Freddie's broken wrist, Mm. winning the series against the Nats, as well as Julio's continued struggles at home. But first, a quick break. The news could not have been worse for the Braves this week, guys, as Freddie broke a wrist bone in seven places. I know. After getting hit by a pitch in Wednesday's game against the Blue Jays. I saw um, uh, a couple of days after that the orthopedic surgeon said it was the best bone he could have broken. And that was one of the reasons why it wouldn't require surgery, because there's some ligament involved that will help it heal. Hmm. Yeah, I think it's all just part of the orthopedic surgeon lobby that tells <laughs> tells people stuff like that but the vegas their their vegas lines exactly donaghy oh man that is so a, ham yeah 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 well go ahead man well you said yeah. it it's the worst it is the with at the risk of overstating things it is the worst thing that could have happened to the braves there's no worse news that we could have gotten um and you know first of all i feel so horrible for him you know he was in Forever, Freddie was on the cusp, and I think a, a, a part of his narrative was when he's healthy, he's really good, but he's not always healthy. He was healthy. You know, last year he played over 150 games. This year he was in the conversation as one of the best first basemen in the game. I mean, there was, there, it, it was where the point, and I love Freddie, where I would have taken him over Goldschmidt. I would take him over anybody. If I was starting a team, he would be my first baseman uh, just for the way he plays and how versatile he is and how he hits to all these fields and everything. I mean, so. And Ham, Ham, forget best first baseman in, in baseball. That that was the morning of the of the of that game was when that article on the front page of the MLB section of ESPN mm-hmm. was, is Freddie Freeman the best hitter in the game? Yeah, and you then tweeted it and cursed him. So thanks. Exactly. You're welcome. So, um. I just feel horrible for him. I feel like this was just – he was right there at the cusp and this sets him back. And I feel like sort of what you were alluding to, Steve, this is – they say, what, eight to ten weeks to heal, maybe more. I feel like this is a season-long injury. I feel like we will feel the repercussions of this all the way through the season. So for what it's worth in copies, ask copy uh segment on Twitter a couple of days ago, he said 10 weeks is, is the, is the longest sort of estimate. So he's confident that he'll be back within eight to 10 weeks, but I hear you, Ham. I mean, a wrist injury is just, 
scary for a hitter. Yeah. And I really let my mind go to bad places about it's going to mess up his swing and he's going to be favoring it and worried about it. And it's just going to throw him off. I, at least, uh, I'm very I mean, worried the, about yeah, it. And he's such a he has such quick wrists. It's such a big part of why he's so effective. Um I can't – I just – it's going to be – it's not like 10 weeks or even eight weeks. He's coming back and like picking up right where he left off. Well, of course. Yeah. So, Curtis, using words you're allowed to say on the podcast, what did you think? <laughs> um, rats. Um, <laughs> I, I think the the concern, obviously, to echo a lot what you guys are saying, is just that he's going to be in a cast for so long. So it's not even like it's going to be – that he'll be able to jump back in, you know, I mean, he's going to have to build the strength back up. There's a lot of things with the wrists that, uh, you know, it's, it's, I guess my concern is the same. It's just, it's going to impact his season. There's no doubt about that. Even when he comes back, you got to figure it's going to take him a while to get the, the strength back, the swing back, all those things, because he was so dialed in right now. Um, and it's just, it's, I don't know that they're obviously every team has a player that they can ill afford to lose, but I don't know if you looked in grand total, like if there was a worse player for a team to lose than Freddie Freeman to the Braves, you know? Yeah. And, and the, and, and the best hitter in baseball was not hyperbole at the time of the injury. He was in the majors tied for first in homers, second in on base and second in slugging. And and right, he was far and away the best player on the team. He was the engine that made the offense, which gets only more important as, you know, we struggle with starting pitching at times. It It is the engine that makes this team go. And he was at the center of it. it yeah, it could not have been a more devastating loss. The only the, if, if you want a silver lining, because I've been trying to find one, is that I don't think we were really going to compete this year. You know, maybe somehow this saves the miles that we put on his body and we get him productive longer, right? Maybe this forces him to sit out and not, I don't know. I'm, I'm grasping for straws here. Yeah, it's, it, it, it's, it's quite a, a grasp. No, and it's not fair to him. But, you know, a lot of people who aren't here yet, we're seeing this future talent. Maybe he gets to keep his legs healthy and, and everything else healthy until, until they're here. Yeah, um, and selfishly, I hate being robbed of the season we were going to get from him. Because you're right. It's not like it's not like the team was going to the playoffs and all that stuff. But every night was must see TV for Freddie. Yeah. And and we're getting robbed of that. So and guys, you hope. Sorry. Last point. Yeah. You hope it's not on like a point um, in his wrist because I don't know if how many people remember when Bob Horner played here and he broke his wrist and then he continued to break his wrist. It was like a it was like a spot on his wrist because he was playing third base and he would dive and it was amazing. I, I, I can't remember because I was much younger, but he broke his wrist a lot. Mm -hmm. And so you hope that it's not on a pressure point where by him playing first base and, you know, even defensively that it's now vulnerable for him making plays and jumping and landing. And it, you know, that there'd be some sort of even longer term impact on the spot that he broke. So. Yeah, I mean, that is obviously the biggest long-term concern about it is that it's, this is more than a 10-week effect. So, guys, Copy, not one to sit tight, signed free agent James Loney right after the injury and followed that up by trading Juan Yepes from Low A Rome to the Cardinals for Matt Adams. So, Kurt, there's obviously no replacing Freddie, 
But how do you feel about the response from the front office here? Well, I guess it, I mean, it, it seems to me that they think that they are still have a chance to be competitive, I guess. I mean, otherwise you wouldn't make this move. You would you would have I mean, James Loney obviously would be the guy or Kelly Johnson still available. Somebody like that that you could just bring in and sort of carry out the rest of the season. But Loney comes in and I think that they thought I, I was I read a, read an article today just sort of checking in on James Loney. And when he got signed, uh, there was an AP report that, you know, that his stay in the minors was not going to be very long at all, that he was just going to get go get tuned up and then be in the majors pretty quickly. I think that obviously is going to be delayed now. His also batting one for seven in Gwinnett, probably not helping very much. Well, right. Um, and and Copy came out and said, you know, Matt Adams will get the majority of starts. If we knew we were going to trade for Matt Adams, we wouldn't have signed James Loney. And then and then James Loney <laughs> but, started to cry, yeah, which, which but, they, but they keep, didn't report. Yeah. But keep practicing, James. Right. Keep working <laughs> Make hard. Make sure he reads play. this. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, yeah, they obviously were not comfortable going with Jace Peterson, who's never played first base as as the 10 week solution. Right. Yeah, I, I guess my only concern is that uh, Matt Adams hits about as well against major league left-handed batting as I do. So or Ryan um, Howard, if it, yeah, yeah, Ryan so, Howard, exactly. So if we can arrange where when he plays, they only throw righties against him, uh, it would be great. Otherwise, I don't know what they're going to do. Maybe they bring in. Um, Marquez to play first and put somebody else in the outfield. I have no idea. Maybe well, look, play I right. Mean, yeah, he. You know, Copy has said that he's going to get the majority of starts at first. And this week, for example, we have seven games. We face six righty starters. So Adams will start the majority of games. But I do bet that on days when they face a lefty starter, there will be some moving around. And maybe it's Jace. Um, maybe it is Mark Hakus. Uh We'll see Loney. I bet we see Loney. I mean, Lonnie at some was, point, yeah, he wasn't as stiff last year. I mean, he played full season with the Mets, right? Um, well, he had 366 plate appearances, 265, 307, 397. So he's not a complete. It's kind of a stiff. I mean, he's yeah, kind of he's a, a zero. He, he was, a, you, you know, just a love him because guy. he played for the Red Sox. He did. <laughs> I don't know. I always think of him as a Dodger and then as a Met. I think he's better than Bonifacio. Well. Don't get that is a whole other show. (laughs) That is the same show we've been doing all season long. I mean, look, this is another brilliant move by copy, in my opinion. Yepes is a low a guy. He wasn't really considered one of the prospects. And you get Matt Adams, who is much more than a stiff. He can play decent defense. He has some pop. And then he becomes, and then he immediately upgrades the bench when right. Freddie comes back. Right. I mean that that that's really why this is so brilliant. And yeah, it's a shot in the arm to to the team and the fans. Copy actually said that we did this for the team and the fans to spend some of our you know capital, so to speak, to go out and get Matt Adams. And I think it's great. Yeah. And the money's nothing. He's getting paid like two and a half million bucks or something. And like the that. Cardinals are throwing some money in too. Yeah, and and he's he's young. yeah. it's it's true. Our bench is instantly better with him on it. And they're only stuck on the hook with him for this year. I think he's a unrestricted free agent at the end of the year. I so. think he's ARB eligible next year, so they could keep him next year if they want to keep him on the bench. But again, I, I mean, aren't you guys impressed by what the 
what the front office did in two days to try to remedy all this? I am. I am. And it was a nice um, reminder that they are still, you know, that they wouldn't just throw in the towel and let it go, that they're still trying to compete and do it for the fans. It was very, uh, it was great. It was great. So, guys, back to this week's game. So, winning three of four from the Blue Jays, the Braves then faced, you know, were to face the Nationals and their three best pitchers in Gio Gonzalez, Max Scherzer, and Steven Strasburg. We we talked about it last week that this easily could have been a, a sweep at the hands of the Nationals. And all the Braves did were were go on and win two of the three games. So, Ham, what are some of your takeaways from the National Series? I, it was so satisfying. Even the loss today. I mean, you take away the two errors, the Marquecas error and the Garcia error, and that one ball to Murphy, and we win this game, right? I mean, Garcia looked great today, and we rallied. Great. His, his best start of the season. Yeah. I mean, he looked great. And Strasburg looked great, and we had a chance. You know, I mean, we really had a chance. Dansby had that huge double. Um, so I was really impressed with them. And, and then even more so, the game against Scherzer, Ruiz hitting a homer. Um, and it was beautiful. Yeah. It was, it was just, just a beautiful shot. It was great. Um, I mean, it was. I was really proud of, proud of how the team rallied in the face of the Freddie injury. Um, it was, you know, there were so many great takeaways. Carmago. His arm from third, I think you were texting about that the other night. Um, it's Fuki-like. You know, it's just yeah. amazing how strong that arm is. So um, it, it was, And it was just satisfying to get some of our mojo back against the Nats. They're a better team than we are, obviously. They've just got better pitching, better, better bats. But um, for us to sort of have their number again and to knock them off was just so satisfying and so needed, again, in the face of the Freddie injury. Yeah, and you know what I would add to that is the is the bullpen. The bullpen oh, yeah. threw nine and a third, not only scoreless but hitless innings this weekend. I mean, really fantastic. Curtis, anything else to add? No, I mean it's it's just nice to win some games against the Nationals. Uh, it, it seems like they've completely overpowered us the past few seasons, and to have to go against those three guys that you mentioned and to pick up a couple of wins. It's great without Freeman um, as part of it as well. It's just important for the Braves if they there's a psychological thing that they have to overcome right now, too, if they hope to compete with the Nationals. And that means you got to go out and win some games against these guys. So I think that that will be a big boost for them going forward is that even without Freddie, you know, they could have completely collapsed if they had gotten swept. Who knows what kind of permeation that would have had through the team and it's it's thought process going forward so it was nice just to get some wins who regardless of who it was even better against the Nats and those guys and I want to mention it one more time that Dansby at bat after he had been absolutely owned by Strasburg all day and he he took a pitch on two and two which was pretty borderline I mean they struck out yeah yeah, it was but but it was it was a pretty great take and then to drive the ball like he did I mean it was Dansby's best at bat of the season i would argue garcia's best start of the season a lot of great stuff in that series well and and you know who knows what happens if if uh in the ninth adams hits that absolute bullet that zimmerman is just standing on the line because there's a there's a runner on first and you know that's obviously where he's playing but i mean that's a double to the corner if he's not if he's not holding the runner on so could have been a lot more interesting even more so um but 
Yeah, I mean, a great game, a great comeback. And this this team is so hard to figure out, though. Like last week, they were the worst team in baseball. I said it 15 times on the show. Um, and last then, week, they were the worst team in baseball. I know. I mean, I know. We weren't wrong about that. They were the worst team in baseball <laughs> last week. And it's just so every time, every week, we, every week we we just dump on them. They turn, so I'm going to just start dumping on them every week. I'm just going to say that now. I'm going to get half the players' names mispronounced. <laughs> like I always do, miss some stats, and I'm just going to dump on them. And then, you know, they're going to get together every Monday morning, listen to the show, take it to and heart. And say, I wish Kurt wouldn't dump on the Braves so yeah, Exactly. I can't tell and the him, difference I'm between Kurt and Ham. I'm confused. Doing all the stuff you usually do with the names and the stats, how's that going to change? No, 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 no. Right. And, and I'm, I'm keeping that, and then I'm also going to just dump on Oh, the you're yeah. adding to it. Okay. Yes, yes. All right, guys, uh, next up, we're going to go inside the numbers of the past week. But first, a quick break. Julio's awful home starts continued this week Uh with a nine earned run, three homer, three inning performance. And the terrible string continues. So his numbers at SunTrust Park are just staggeringly bad. Ten and a half ERA. The slash line against him is 337 425, 606, and a whip of two. So no doubt it will be a long season for Julio and the Braves if this continues. There was one glimmer of hope on Sunday. I thought this was kind of interesting, and they showed it. Not only were the beat reporters uh, tweeting about it, but they showed it on the broadcast today that prior to Sunday's finale against the Nats, instead of doing his bullpen in the bullpen, Julio was pitching on the mound prior to the game with Chuck Hernandez out there. And they're obviously looking to get him more comfortable in, you know, what is closer to game conditions. Maybe he's been complaining about feel on the mound. Hard to say, but Ham, this has got to be mental for him, right? It has to be mental. Well, because, you know, any ballpark in America, it's the same distance and it's the same mound. It's all the same thing. So, um and it wasn't like, you know, when he was in Turner Field last year, he had the same problem. So it's not it's not a physical thing. It's got to be a mental thing. It did look like they were working on his location on the outside of the plate or something. I guess like they when they were talking through it, it was like him hitting his hip coming back and trying to hit the outside corner. So I don't know how that fixes things for him if he's able to hit the outside corner. Um, he was so bad. Last week, he had a game score of so. Uh, Bill James came up with this thing called the game score, which is for all you stat heads out there. And um, you basically start with fifty, and for every strikeout out you get, you add, and for everything that goes bad, you subtract. You know, the highest possible score is one hundred and fourteen. Kerry Woods twenty strikeout game, he had one hundred and five, so that's the highest recorded game score. Tehran had an eight. That was his game score. <laughs> it was brutal. He only threw three strikes where batters actually swung and missed. And it's not like he's wild, right? So he threw 69 pitches, 46 for strikes. That That is his average strike-to-ball ratio. It's just that he's not fooling Too much of anybody. the plate. Too much of yeah. the plate, and, and people are hitting it. I mean, people are not swinging and missing on him. And it's just... But to your initial question, Steve, I don't. It, it it works on the road. I mean, you look at the start in Miami. He threw three hits over six innings, and you know the complete yes. opposite outcome of that. Sub one ERA on the road. Yeah, I mean, talk about a different pitcher. It's it's 
it is not hyperbole to say it's night and day with him. Right. Well, it's the home runs. The home runs are killing him. I mean, he's given up eight home runs in his five starts at SunTrust Park. Yep. He's also given up 28 earned runs over that time. On the road, he's given up two earned runs and zero. And zero. Yeah, zero homers. So that's, you know, we've talked about this before, how he's had weird splits before. So, um you know, he had a comment today or maybe it was after that Toronto game, whatever that was earlier in the week. And it's like, yeah, well, you know, uh, this is where I pitch a lot. So <laughs> I got to figure something out <laughs> like, yeah, probably. I, I like so. how super lackadaisical he was when he said, yeah, that. well, you know, I, I might have I might have paraphrased that. just a little. <laughs> so, guys, the offense obviously has flowed through Freddie all year, but let's give Matt Kemp some love. Heading into Sunday's game, he was slashing 346, 385, 630. And has, uh, I'm sorry, I, I, I didn't copy down the number of homers. I think he has eight Is, homers on the season. Yep. Yep. He does. So, yep. yep. Go ahead. Well, no, he had six in March and April, then he has, he's had two in May so far. Right. Yep. So, in the National League, he leads all outfielders in batting average. He's third in on-base percentage and he's third in slugging, 10th in homers and fourth in extra base hits because he's been a doubles machine where he leads the league in out with outfielders with 13. So Kurt, you know, I was very against the trade when it happened. Felt like they were just throwing more bad money after bad money with Oliveira. But now I think he should be in the all-star game. Where, where are you with Matt Kemp? Absolutely. There's no doubt in my mind that he should be in the All-Star game. Now, will he? I'm sure not. Andrew McCutcheon will, of course, end up starting in the All-Star game with his 200 batting average. But Kemp's been more than anything that we would expect, uh, you know, especially after his time with the Padres and how bad he was there. It seemed like a guy that was just collecting money and sort of mailing it in. And to his credit, all the best shape of his life talk and everything coming out of there. I mean, he has come to play this year and even the end of last year when they made the trade for him. I mean, he it feels like he's committed not only to his career, but to, to the Braves. I mean, uh, he seems like he's a leader. I heard his his comments after the game today about how proud he was of the team, you know, that they fought and they could have won all three and all those kind of things. And, yeah, those are platitudes and everything else. But you really feel like the, he has a presence with the team and he's really committed to the Braves. And, and maybe it's because they committed to him. You know, they made a trade to go and get him, a guy whose career was sort of floundering, and he's turned it around and has really been amazing so far. Yeah, and it's on him now. I mean, Freddie's out, so Kemp has got to keep doing what he's been doing. He is the man. I mean, he's so in the zone. He's actually gotten better in May than he was in March and April. So not not only is he good, he's getting better. He's just everything's peaking. He's he scored 14 runs in May after only scoring seven runs uh, in March and April, which I think speaks to Steve to all the doubles. Um, and just being right, so, his his on base and average climbed in May compared to April. Absolutely. Oh yeah, he's hitting three sixty six. Um, he's striking out less. He's walking more. Uh, it's just everything about him. And you know, it's again, it was so sad because Freddie Kemp and Marquecas are were a very formidable three four five combo, one of the better ones in the league. And so, as Kurt said, it's really on him. It's really on Marquecas now if the Braves are going to have any shot. And hopefully. You know, Matt Adams can contribute there as well. So, guys, some feel-good news about Chris Medlin, who's back with the team on a minor league deal. He graduated from extended spring training as he's been coming back from, um, from you know, injury and his, and his second Tommy John. 
Um, he made his first minor league start on Saturday this past week with the high A Fire Frogs, and he put up these numbers. Six innings pitched, one hit, zero runs, three walks, three strikeouts. He threw 80 pitches, 49 for strikes. So obviously it is a long way to go. <laughs> Who knows what the future holds for Chris Medlin, but it couldn't happen to a nicer guy. How great to at least start so well with the, with this first minor league start. I just couldn't be happier for him. I would, the thought that Medlin might make a start for us in the future makes me so happy. So happy. And I would take, I would take Medlin now over Cologne. Colin, sorry, Curtis, but I mean, it would it would make me. I mean, Chris Medlin is probably one of my all time favorite Braves. Um, he was so, and you know, I remember how nice he was to us when uh, I think Curtis, you interviewed him. Um, I can't tell you and Steve apart, uh, but he's just a great, great guy. One of my favorite Braves, and I it would be so amazing if he were to pitch for the Braves this year. Amazing. Yeah, even just out of the bullpen. I mean, I can't quite see the scenario. Where he gets a you know a start in the in the starting rotation uh, for come us, on, but Steve. but come on, no no I want it. Look I want it. All right, I love I love Medlin too. But it's it is it is a great story. As the fact that it's gotten this far, it's already a great story. Yeah. All right, guys, let's move on to shot in the dark. Our predictions for the coming week, and we will start by looking back at last week with our listener shot in the dark which was from Bill Miner on Twitter, that our DH slot in the two games in Toronto would bat 400 or better. So Phillips went 0 for 4 in the first game, followed by a 3 for 5 game from Marcakis for a 333 batting average. So almost, Bill. And uh, guys, let's look back on our predictions. So, Hammy, you with the, um, with the reverse jinx. Yes. You predicted Bryce Harper would hit two homers, uh, drive in eight, and hit over four hundred. He, I didn't, you know, I, I hadn't really realized it until I looked back on it. He did nothing. We really, he did nothing. He went yes. two for twelve, a one sixty six, no homers, and one RBI. That's yeah, a, he and Worth, he and Worth were worthless. Oh, hey now, hey now, very nice. You're welcome, right. everybody. By the way, you're welcome. <laughs> Curtis, you had the Braves giving up 35 or more earned runs, and it was looking good for you. Tehran Tehran really hooked me up. (laughs) Right. I mean, the first four games, it was five, five, four, and nine. And, you know, you were looking. But then the Braves gave up the Braves starters, of course, because the relief core gave up no earned runs, gave up four earned runs over the course of the National Series. So 27 total. So, uh... Not 35 for you, Curtis. And then mine was that the Braves would take two or three from the Nationals, which is exactly what happened. <laughs> I like the way that you held that one till last. Time. I know. <laughs> you wanted to so, lead the show with that, didn't you? How hard was it I, not to lead show? It's really, it was really the thing I wanted to talk about taking away from the Nationals series, that I won the shot in the dark. <laughs> you even skipped over some segments <laughs> that we thought we might be doing just so you could get to shot in the dark sooner. <laughs> It was sad that our listeners are missing out on content because of this. Yeah, that I was rooting for the Braves pitchers to get shelled this weekend just so (laughs) I could at least share it with Steve. (laughs) So I take the lead in May. One zip. Me. All right, guys, let's talk about next week. Uh, Ham, what do you what do you got for next week? Uh, I think Dansby is going to continue to do well. I say he hits over 325 with two homers. I like it. Curtis. 
I'm going with Matt, the player Adams. I just gave him that nickname. Ooh, uh, really so good. Scintillating. Really, yeah. Wow. Um, <laughs> over 275 with two homers this week. All right. And I am banking a ton on that pregame work that Julio did on Sunday. And I'm predicting that Julio gives up two earned or less in his start this week. Mm. All right, folks, don't forget to get the first inning or the whole game. (laughs) No, I'm saying the whole entire game. Wow. Uh, All right, folks, don't forget to get your shot in the dark in before first pitch on Monday. And if we pick yours, we will discuss it on next week's show. All right, guys, let's look at the week ahead. Uh, Seven games this week, four at home with the Pirates, three on the road in San Francisco. And we'll take a look at the pitching matchups. So, game one against the Pirates, Fulty versus Garrett Cole and his 284. Next up is Dickey versus Tyler Glasnow and his 734. Tehran then faces Trevor Williams on Wednesday and his 604. By the way, they announced, I think it was yesterday, Saturday, that Dickey and Tehran switched in the order. They wanted to split up Fulty and Tehran and and uh, I guess maybe, you know, to have fireballing Fulty and then knuckleballer and then Tehran. So they have switched in the uh, in the starting pitching rotation. Uh, final game, businessman special on Thursday, Cologne versus Ivan Nova and his 263. On to San Francisco, we'll see Garcia versus Matt Kane and his 491. Next will be Fulty's second start of the week. He'll face Ty Black and his 415. And then the series concludes with Dickey's second start of the week, where he will face Johnny Cueto and his 4.5. So not like the most intimidating pitching this week. Uh, obviously, Garrett Cole and Yvonne Nova with their sub three. But everybody else, uh, you know, not too intimidating. So, Curtis, what do you think in the seven-game week? Um, I'm going to go four and three. Wow. Optimistic. Yeah, really? Hammy? I think they're the worst team in baseball. Um, <laughs> and that they go three and four, two and two, one and two. All right. I've got them going five and two. Of course. Three and one, two and one. No, it's the, you know, it's the Ewing theory. It is the Ewing theory. I was going to bring that up with Freddie gone. It's it's they have something to play for. I'm sure. I mean, if Freddie was here this weekend, we get swept by the Nationals, Hammy. Totally. Good riddance. <laughs> We're so much better off without him. Oh, so much better off. All right, folks, that is the show. Remember, we are at Blog Talk Radio, as well as iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. As always, you can find us at AtlantaBaseballTalk.com to access our past shows and to post in our comment section. And be sure to follow us on Twitter at ATL Baseball Talk and to like us on Facebook. Thanks again for listening, and go Braves! Thanks for listening to Atlanta Baseball Talk, your weekly podcast for all things Atlanta Braves. To find new shows, to post in our forum, or to send a comment, please visit us at atlantabaseballtalk.com. Had to admit the problem, it's a hard thing to admit. Had to get on the program, it ain't an easy road when you quit. Had to make peace with my enemies, accept the power greater than my... It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? 
a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.